bringing Seattle to the world and the world to Seattle. I'm your host, Lori Ness, a soldier on the front line of the mainstream. You can listen to this and other shows at northwestprime.com and be sure to stay with Seattle Wave Radio 24-7, 365 for more great music and interviews. We're starting a movement of kindness and we want you to join us. Let's get this show started. My guest today is Ruth Clampett, and Ruth is the daughter of legendary animation director Bob Clampett. She grew up surrounded by artists and animators, a graduate of the Art Institute College of Design, and she's been the vice president of design at Warner Brothers Studio Stores and has taught photography at UCLA. Today she runs her own studio, and as the fine art publisher for Warner Brothers Studios, has come to know and work with some of the world's greatest artists in the field of animation and comics. We're going to get to know Ruth a little bit better today. She has a new book out called Animate Me. I read it. I loved it. And I think, I suspect there's a lot of Ruth in this story, and we're going to find out in just a moment. So thanks, Ruth, for coming on. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you, Lori, for having me. Well, first, I, I, I do want to talk about Animate Me because I just finished that book. I absolutely loved it. But it seems like there's a lot of, it, it, it's a personal book as well as maybe a a romance uh, story as well. But it, it, it seemed to be a lot of, I think, you really coming through in that book. Tell me if I'm right or wrong. I, I think you're right, and I'm glad you, you felt that way. It is a very personal story for me. And I think in a lot of ways it's my love story to the animation world as much as it's a romantic um, contemporary love story. Um, about a, a young, earnest animator who has fallen in love with um, a woman at his animation studio and admires her from afar. So, you know, growing up in the world of animation and knowing all these amazing artists, and I think what always really spoke to me was their enormous passion for their art form and and that it, it just was so heartfelt for them, and they loved their characters like they would their own children. And um, I just, you know, that no matter how the rest of the world saw them, they, they stuck on their path, whatever it took to to create characters and make these cartoons. And, um, you know, if you think of our culture, the American culture, and how we've grown up with cartoon characters and love them, but how much do we really know about the the men and women behind, you know, the work that's done? So this story definitely gives a peek into that world and... and um, shows my love for it. Absolutely. I also picked up on you have a very vivid and clear and strong love and admiration for your father that comes through on this book. And so if you would, I would like you to tell everybody about your dad. Oh, I would love to. He's he's one of my great heroes in life. Um, he got started in the animation world at a very young age. Actually, when he was 13, he won a um, contest in the L.A. Junior Times making comics, um, and they sent him to art school because they wanted to hire him as a, a newspaper comic artist when he got out of high school. Um, but when he first saw the, the saw the first Disney short, Steamboat Willie, he was just so thrilled and wanted to get into the world of cartoons, and it was just starting then. So um, anyway, he ended up at 17 um, getting a job at Warner Brothers, um, working on the very first um, Mary Melody's cartoons, and you know, pretty much grew up in in that industry and and just loved everything about it loved creating characters he created Tweety Bird um he's one of the fathers of Bugs Bunny and really had an extraordinary career and he he was um often called one of the most innovative and wild of the Warner Brothers directors and and really did a lot of one of my favorite cartoons of his is called Porky and Wacky Land, which is a surreal black and white cartoon with Dolly-style backgrounds. And um, so just as an artist, I admire so much how he was always pushing himself to do something different. He later went into television and um, created a show called Time for Beanie, and then Beanie and Cecil he did as a cartoon series. So 
you know, to grow up around that kind of creativity and brilliance. And also he was an incredible father. Um, I just have always felt incredibly lucky. Well, is is your whole family um, gifted in, in the arts as well? Can can you all draw? Did, did that gene get passed through? There's definitely a strong creative gene through the family, but no one – um, is got the direct, you know, animation talent. And my daughter loves to draw and is interested in animation, but right now her her um, passion is editing and writing. But my brother's a great writer. My sister actually teaches yoga, and she um, is a very high-level, like, restorative yoga teacher and um, healer. And um, so there's a, a lot of creativity in the family, and... Um, but we, you know, what we all carry is a great passion to keep my dad's work alive and and uh, support, you know, all of this great, you know, exposing all this great work and his life to the world. Mm-hmm, definitely. Now, because he was an animator, I would imagine he was around other animators. So what was it like for you to be around all of this creative energy, not only from your dad, who was just radiating it, but probably he had a network of friends that, that you guys were exposed to as well, I would imagine. It's it's true, and it's interesting growing up like that um, because for a long time when you're a kid, you think everybody, you know, lives in this kind of environment. And what do you mean you don't come home from school and sit with your dad and eat graham crackers and watch cartoons or you know what do you mean you don't go to the studio and get to paint cells and you know play with the the puppets from the television series and um it really honestly it wasn't until i was in high school and i remember there was a big tribute to him at one of the local theaters and they showed all his cartoons and you know and he started and we started going to comic con and everybody would treat him like a celebrity because he was a very um, modest guy and was just super involved with his family and um, but you know when I started being exposed to that I was like wow you know you take a step back and you go gee maybe this is really unique and different and mm-hmm. uh, sadly I was in my 20s when he passed away um, and so then following with all the amazing tributes at the academy and so forth I, I really was able to take a step back and now see him as an artist and his contribution um, you know, he's a major contributor to the history of, of animation. And um, and that's really because I, I had studied photography at Art Center. That's what my degree is in. But that's what led me into working in the animation world um, just because of realizing how special and extraordinary this was. And, and having been around all the different cartoonists and voice artists and background painters and writers and and developing this appreciation for how extraordinarily talented these people are. And, you know, a lot of times people think, oh, it's just a cartoon, if they really understood what was behind it and the, the you know, the way we remember these characters through our whole lives, you know, in a way, and hold them close to our heart in a way that you don't do with everything else that you see or watch. So um, it's been an honor for me to, to be involved in this and, and be able to work closely with these extraordinary artists. Well, that's the great thing about animation, too, is that the characters really don't age. They're timeless. So they mm-hmm. are uh, as as relevant to me when, you know, when, when I was a child as they are to my children and as probably will be to their children as well. Um, exactly. So it, and I, I kind really, of just – go ahead, Jim. Well, I really tried to tie that feeling into the book, too, because even though Nathan – um, our romantic lead is is a young guy. You know, he's he's 26. He um, has a passion for all animation and you know all the classic characters and contemporary characters as well. And so, for instance, every chapter of the book starts with a cartoon quote from a different cartoon character, and all of those characters are woven in through the story. And I've gotten a lot of feedback from readers that. Um, even if they're not necessarily animation people or interested in that world, they it, it just makes them smile. It, it helps them remember some of the best parts of their childhood. And, you know, we realize how this is really woven into the fabric of our lives. Absolutely. Well, I, I had written down in my notes Gumby and Speed Racer. And when mm. you wove those into the book, it just it really 
when I saw Gumby, it took me right exactly back to San Diego. And um, <laughs> I, I spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house um, because they had cable. And uh, But the cable was like on this, just for people who, who don't know, when cable first came out, it was like in this on this long cord with a box at the end of it. And it was like a punch, and you would punch number, or you would punch like the channels into it. At least it was in San Diego anyway. And it was like on a 50-foot cord, and then you could take it. It was the coolest thing ever. We just thought it was just the most amazing thing. And so my grandparents had that. And so we would like go over their house, and we would like, we could get like, um, it was like KTLA, I think, had most of the uh, cartoons coming in, but we would we couldn't watch. We we could watch Gumby like all the time in Speed Racer. There was like a it wasn't the Disney Channel or a Cartoon Network like there is now, but but there was channels that actually ran cartoons more than others. And, and we loved Gumby and we loved Speed Racer. And they were woven into this book. So that just really made me smile and and go back and remember something odd like that cable box that uh, that was kind of like the first remote control. <laughs> oh, that's great. So, I. One of my prized possessions is um, I have a Gumby doll that I got Art Clokey to sign before he passed away. And um, I'm, you know, it, it's funny, like being at Comic-Con last week, I'm a fangirl. You know, I just, when I love something, whether it be something from my childhood or a property now, I, I just really embrace it. And um, and I think that's part of what the book celebrates, too, is sort of the fan in all of us, no matter what it is. So um, I love your story about getting to watch all the Gumbies you wanted. I'm I'm jealous. <laughs> 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 well, so since your degree was in photography, how did you end up over in the fanfic world writing? Was it because you wanted to kind of work on your skills as a writer? or how? I didn't even know fanfic even existed until a year ago. And so it's, that I, I just really opened around my mind up. A lo- I think it's been around a long time. I mean, I really knew nothing about it. And um so so what had happened was I actually it was just a fluke thing. I had a, a girlfriend say to me, you know, I found this fanfic site and there's some really good stories and you can just read them online and they update, you know, like weekly or every few days. You read a chapter at a time like you would a soap opera and it's it's just really fun. And so she sent me some links and that's how I got pulled into it first as a reader. And um for listeners who don't know, fan fiction is, is a, you know, an online site where a, across different books or properties, people take existing characters and write new stories about them. And in the world I was um, reading, people really took great departure away from the original source material and would do entirely different things with the characters. And I found that extraordinarily creative and interesting. And so it was really as I I continued to read and realized there was a community, a really supportive community around this reading and writing, and it was a tremendous way to get feedback on your writing. And you could really, you know, it's just a completely creative medium. And so you could try different things that you might, be you know be more hesitant to do in other mediums and so that's what inspired me um to finally start writing and posting and it takes courage to do that because as we all know in the world today online people can um with the you know anonymous quality of it can be very brutal in their feedback or really wonderful <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and so but it's a great training ground and and um and once I got started, I really got addicted. It, it, you know, it's just been tremendous fun, and I've met incredible people through that medium. And then there's artists and designers who you end up working with, that, and and people who create art based on your stories. And it's just an extraordinary community, and and um, I'm I'm really grateful that I found it. Mm-hmm. Oh, and 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 lucky for us because in this. This book was able to come out more. If you're not in that fan fiction world, which which I wasn't, and, and I'm actually still not, as far as I I, I don't go in there and write or um, or or read very much because it's really kind of mind blowing. What you you kind of have to know what you're doing. Well, for me yeah. to kind of navigate it because it's so 
big. It's like, where do you even start? But I've met so yeah. many great people coming out because of their works, or the fantastic work that's coming out of that fan fiction realm, and such wonderful people. And like you said, there's just like this whole community. You, it, it, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of almost like a cartoon. It's kind of like falling through the rabbit hole, and you become into this Alice in Wonderland. And there's just great, great, and especially women, for for whatever reason, I've met so many great women that are just the most fun. Um, they like to have a good time. They're open-minded. They're um, resourceful. They're kind of can-do women, and they're out there just embracing life and living it. And that's kind of what I discovered when I fell into this fan fiction hole, which is I'm like, hey, there's all these people like me. I wonder where they all were. <laughs> they're not all at the bar. They're actually down at the fan fiction site. Well, and it's I think – it's one of the gifts of the social media is that now you can find people that you share a passion with. And I'm all about, you know, living life to its fullest and, you know, exploring my interests. And, and um, so to meet other women who have a passion for reading and writing like I do and love to share, you know, I just read this amazing story. Let me tell you about it. And, um, you know, people that are have the same, you know, sort of enthusiasm for life and creativity and being exposed to stories and art. And um, so that's been a gift. It, you, it's outside just your regular life circle. You know, I've met people literally all over the world. I had dinner mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago with a friend from Brazil that I met from this community, an extraordinary woman. Um, I had breakfast yesterday with a, a woman from San Francisco who had, who had flown in. And, you know, I have some of my very dearest friends that I spend um, more time with than you'd expect being that we're, you know, in different places of the world. We've been able to spend time together and we um, touch base frequently. Um, it's been a gift. And, um, you know, it, it, I've had people when they first hear, they kind of turn their nose up, fan fiction, you know. If you knew the people that I've met, you know, I just think to myself mm-hmm. and the extraordinary experiences I've had and, you know, and I think you just have to keep an open mind. And, um, you know, I've when I've gone to London, I've met up with people and you don't know, you know, um, you just kind of go with your gut. But I've never been disappointed. I've met the most right. incredible people. And, uh, you know, people have said that to me. They're like, oh, you, you are... Um meeting people that you met on Twitter, I'm like, you know, it's it's not as creepy as, as you would think. I mean, in the beginning, I was a little apprehensive, too, because I'm like, what am I doing? But I have right. met just the most amazing, like you said, you know, group of people. And, you know, I, I pretty much have a, you know, a good stalker radar thing. You know, you, you you know, you kind of get a, a vibe on on people, and for the most part, I say ninety nine point nine percent of the time, I've I, I've been right on with great great people, and I've just met just like you, some of the most amazing people that just have become great friends, you know, yeah. and. Uh, but 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 you know obviously you know we do need to tell people you know you need to be a little careful but and sure uh, sure but sure, uh, absolutely but, but overall I mean, the experience has been fantastic. I've, I had a funny story with um, there was a, a young college student who'd been reading my stories and he would occasionally post pictures from his experiences and he was this incredibly good-looking guy from Minneapolis and um, anyway he has a cousin in LA and he was coming to LA. And he said, you know, you want to get together for coffee. And that was one where I'm like, okay, i got to be really careful. So I picked like a really public, you know, coffee shop in the middle of the day. And I thought, you know, because who knows, like, who'd end up coming? And, and right. he ended up being just the most wonderful, extraordinary guy. And um, he's a friend of my family's now. And he actually, um, we did a book trailer for Animate Me, and he stars in it. He was a big fan of the story. And um, he does modeling and acting, and he ended up being in it. So, like I said, you know, I just, you know, yes, always be cautious, always be smart. But I have been just incredibly, um, you know, blessed by all these people I've met who who um, have surpassed even what I'd hoped they'd be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I just second that. I want to talk about the book. Um, I, I want to start off by having you 
kind of give me some background on Juan Ortiz because you thank him several times and mention him in the book, and you use some of his art in in Animate Me. And uh, he he used to be head of my illustrators for the Warner Brothers Studio Stores, so we had had a long working relationship together, and um, I knew he was a, an extraordinary artist, and. Um, you know, in the the world of artists, there's some that are great hands. There are some that um, you know can draw extraordinarily well. There's some that are very highly conceptual and um, are great storytellers. There's you know just as in any talent, there's all kinds of different shades of people's ability. But one really has it all, in my opinion, and he's he's just a, a incredibly wonderful person too. He's um, became kind of like an uncle to my daughter because he sees her talent and her enthusiasm, and so he's taken us for tours of, um, you know, Pixar and 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 you know Disney and um, to to expose her to more of the art and and um, let her see the process and meet other artists. So when I was um, getting ready to do this story, um, I, I thought it you know it was one of the exciting things about bringing it to print was it'd be great to have some of the art from the story in the book because um, one of the ways that Nathan, the lead character, pursues his love love interest, he tries to woo her by, he knows she loves this particular Starbucks coffee, so he goes and gets it every afternoon, but he doesn't just bring it to her, he does a little cartoon drawing on the cup for her, and that's why the cover has that um, theme. But I thought, oh, it would be so great to have some of the cup illustrations and the storyboard drawings he does for her. And so I went to Juan. And um, the other um, secret about Juan um, in terms of his connection to the book is that he I became aware a, a number of years ago that he started self-publishing his own comic book. Um, um, and uh, so I... I remember thinking, because this was before self-publishing was very popular, and he would draw it and he created the characters and then he would print it himself and distribute it himself. And I I thought that was so extraordinary, and he would do it at night after working at a cartoon studio all day. But he felt that passionate. He loved comics, but he worked in the animation world. So obviously he was a an inspiration for the Nathan character because that's what Nathan does um, in the story. The difference is... Um, he has taken this girl, Brooke, that he, he adores from afar and has um, created a superhero comic character in her likeness. And so the book he does is all about her and this character. And it's one of the ways that, you know, we we see how special she is to him. So it's a lot of things like that and stories I've heard over the years that are all worked through the story and inspire a lot of the different scenes. Mm-hmm. I thought so because it, it just kind of well, I didn't think that about Juan, but 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 I, I felt this personal connection through you in this book, and that made me feel like I knew you better. I think because it it just felt like you were just so in touch with every little bit of this book. There was just such a a, a passion and a love that came through that you could only get if if you knew that experience intimately. Um, oh, okay. The the, the the female character Brooke, she is um, uh, a strong girl, but but yet she's frail in in some ways. But mm-hmm. she's um, loves cartoons and she's um, passionate and she's a, a working woman and um, she's tender. And that's what just really makes you embrace and and love Brooke. That even though Nathan kind of has her up on a pedestal, you, you're not sure how she's going to be. You know how she's going to react to that, how that's going to translate through. And you did that. You really did uh, artfully bring her into um, being a real human being. You know, she she, she was beautiful um, and she was talented and successful, but yet she was vulnerable too. And she had the sensitivity. And so it just really made me personally just really root for Brooke, too. As as much as I was uh, rooting for Nathan, I was rooting for Brooke, too, because I really wanted this to work for her because she needed it as much as, as much as he did. That means so much to me to hear that because one thing is I've written um, different stories that's so important to me is is really – 
no character is perfect. No person's perfect and no character is perfect. And I I think that's really important in my writing is that um there's so much to admire about her, but um she has some insecurities too that come out in the story and um and affect some of the actions that she takes. And because that's true of everyone I know in life. I know some incredibly dynamic businesswomen and um, who are really successful, yet they have personal insecurities about things that, you know, shape some of their personal decisions and stuff. So, um, and I think it gives the characters more depth and, and realism. So um, Brooke is is very close to my heart and... and um, for that reason, and I think it's it's something as Nathan gets to understand those sides of her, yet he supports her through all of it. It's it's part of why we end up loving him even more. Mm-hmm. Well, Brooke makes um, she has a um, uh, a speech that that she gives to the people from the heart uh, uh, to the animation people from the heart, and where she challenges them to do what they can to keep their passion alive so they will be inspired to do their best work. I felt, again, that that was kind of a personal call from you through Brooke um, to the creative community in general. Um, How do you keep your passion alive? Well, I think that that is – you really hit the nail on the head because I think for all my years of working – in the animation world and in the corporate world at a studio, you see there's a big business machine behind anything creative that's produced and put out into the world. And it can get, um, you know, it can become daunting in its demands to the creative people. You know, there's the fight over what has sold in the past and that needs to be recreated where the artists a lot of times are trying to do something new and different. And so they can get weighed down and discouraged. And when that happens, it it really affects the creative spirit. And so I think for any artist or writer or creative person, that's isn't that like the great challenge in our life is to somehow get past that and still um, find a way to be inspired. And I think for me, writing has been an, an enormous example of that because my entire life I've been a visual artist, an art director, working with artists, a photographer, a designer, and um, yet I've always had a huge passion for reading and writing. And um, so when I found this very this this community where I could be just really creative and experiment with different things, that created lit a whole new fire in me and um became just this this huge passion for me. I mean, you know, I I'm a mom, I work full time, I have my own business, I have employees, but I would every night starting at about 10 o'clock, I would start writing sometimes till, you know, midnight or 1 a.m. because I just all day long these characters are speaking to me and I can't wait to to sit down with them again and and capture, you know, what they're going through on on the page. So, um I think for me in terms of keeping passion alive too is just exposing yourself to things whether going to a museum or or I listen to music a lot when I write and you know don't always just stay in the medium of the or the world you're used to shake it up and try different things and um and take some chances and go to a dance performance you don't think you'd like or whatever it 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 can um lead to things and I think that's a big part of my point of view overall is, you know, just keep an open mind and try different things, and that's what's going to keep creative, creativity flowing in your life. Mm-hmm. You can always create a new normal for yourself. Oh, and, I love that. Know, it's so true. You know, just just uh, just little steps at a time, and, um, you know, what, what you're doing today doesn't have to be what, what you're doing tomorrow. But I made some other notes as I was going through the book, just kind of personal observations. I thought, if I have Ruth on the phone, I'm just going to ask her. <laughs> so, um, Nathan and Brooke get to go to the Emmys. So have you been to the Emmys? I haven't, but my dad um, actually has won three Emmys. So I've, I've heard a lot about it, and, and uh 
you know, and I know about these award shows, like in the story, you know, it's so thrilling to go, but at some point it starts getting boring because they go on and on and on. Um, so, but I've been to other award events. Matter of fact, I present mm-hmm. award at Comic Con um, at the Eisner Awards. My the Humanitarian Award is in my dad's name, and I present it every year. So um, it's always, you know, thrilling because you're surrounded by these incredibly talented people, and you know, just to to see their work be mentioned and acknowledged, I, you know, it's always a thrill to me. So, um, although I haven't attended the Emmys, I've I've uh, feel like I have. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it was it was uh, you, you did a really good job of, of describing it. You know, they um, they kind of walked down the red carpet and then they went to In and Out Burger afterwards, which I thought was great <laughs> because I uh, I love In and Out Burger as well, and and it would be a, a place that you know, would would make sense for, for people to go after if they wanted to eat something and, and escape. I thought, oh, that's great. They went to In-N-Out. So um, yeah. I love In-N-Out. Got to give a shout-out to In-N-Out. In fact, one's coming to Seattle next month. So we'll have our Yay. first In-N-Out. Yay, that's right. So people can come to, to Seattle and actually have In-N-Out. Actually, it'll be in Bellevue, but uh, but still close enough. So um, Baby Ruthie, you kind of use um, Baby Ruthie as, I, I don't know, your um, – uh, oh, my mind went blank. Is um, uh, your image, so to speak? Um, did your dad create that image that you use, or did you draw that? No, actually, um, when my dad did the cartoon version of Beanie and Cecil, um, which was a, a television series in the '60s, um, there, the Beanie character is a little boy with a propeller hat. And after I was born, he created this character, Baby Ruthie, which was Beanie's little girlfriend. And, um, you know, it's just such an honor to have a cartoon character in your name. And at the time, like, my mom helped, she worked with my dad. They were partners throughout their life. And um, she would write music, and she did some of the voices. And my older brother, Rob, did some of the cartoon voices. I was too young um, at the, during the making of the cartoon to do that, but Dad got me to giggle on the voice track. So... Um, I'm I'm part of the cartoon, and matter of fact, when I do book signings, I have a rubber stamp with that image that says Baby Ruthie, and the, I stamp the inside of the book before I sign it because it's it's just you know it's part of me. And um, Dad even had artists come to our house, and um, there's a couple of Beanie and Cecil cartoons where our our actual house is in the cartoon. So he was always. Um, the, you know, there was always this seamless blend between his creative world and his home life, and you know, I loved that, and I appreciate mm-hmm. it so much. You know, now, and I, I try to create that same feeling um, with my family, and my daughter is very involved in um, my creative life and spends a lot of time at my studio. And um, although she hasn't read the book <laughs> because there's uh, a little bit too much steamy stuff in there. Um, she is very well aware of it, was, you know, saw Juan doing the different drawings and, and has been my best support, you know, going through this process. Mm-hmm. Um, daughters are, are, are great. You know, I, I, I have a son and, you know, I have a, a special relationship with, with him. And then I have a daughter and I have a different but special relationship with her. And there's just, um, I when I I first had my son I was when I was going to have a, a second child I just really wanted another boy because I thought well I have a boy and then I can use the same clothes and you know he'll have a brother and the whole bit and uh, and I and I I tried everything I could do to have another like read up you know eat this do this blah 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 you know it increases your chances <laughs> of having a boy and uh, so and I did all of those things. And so, and then it came, and in fact, I didn't even believe it. The doctor said, it's a girl. I said, it's a what? No, no, no. But it ended up being the biggest blessing for me because, you know, sometimes God knows better than you know what you actually need. And uh, it just, it, it worked out perfect. I am, I am so glad that, that I have a daughter. And like, like you said, you know, they're just, they're, they're just very, very special. So um, definitely uh, it made me think about my daughter. Um, Nathan listens a lot to Dr. Wayne Dyer which I was mm-hmm. actually kind of happy about because I also, too, like Dr. Wayne Dyer. <laughs> I do, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, uh, and, uh, some of that inspiration came from my mom as well. My mom was really a big advocate of positive thinking and that thoughts were things. Mm-hmm. And 
she raised us that way, which has always been a gift to me in my life. And um, and I remember at one time I was going through um, a rough time in my life, and I would listen to his um, CDs, and they they really um, inspired me. And and you know, again, just reminded me of the power of thoughts and minds. You can't control everything that happens in your life, but you can control how you think about it and feel about it. And so I, you know, for me, it, it was really important. Um, and one of the things I loved about Nathan was he had great confidence in himself. I mean, people, you know, might call him a geek and, you know, because he was a little socially awkward with girls and stuff and he, he did cartoons. But this was a very confident guy who believed in himself and believed in his talent, and he was already, you know, doing really well and successful at the studio. And, um, and you know, he had very supportive parents who, um, you know, his, his father is kind of a quirky inventor, um, you know, kind of super geek, but they really created that foundation for him. And so... Um, when he's feeling discouraged, he he would, um, or sometimes just to pump himself up, he would listen to those tapes and and you know then be renewed, you know, and excited to get out in the world and make things happen for himself. So I I love that quality about him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the, the the sad thing is, life is negativity is coming at us all the time for free, and you kind mm-hmm. of have to seek out positivity. And and for, I, I wish it was the other way around. I, I wish. Positivity was flowing at us all the time, but but it's just not in the world. It's just, and you're talking about online. People will say things that they're to you online that they would never say to you in person because their social graces would would kick in, their manners would would kick in. Right. But online, they won't. And and especially the artists who are already sensitive, they're opening themselves up. They're putting themselves out there, and then you know, sometimes that, that feedback is, is negative that comes back, unfortunately. But uh, that's one thing that I, I, I do like about Dr. Dyer is that he has a message of positivity and you will have to seek him out to find it. But sometimes you just need to re-energize yourself that way because we just have such negative things coming at us all the time. And you turn on the news, you turn on, you know, just just in life, it's just coming at you all the time. So you really have to make an effort to charge your battery again. And, and I agree. I, I think he's a he's a great way to do it. And there was a lot of positivity in this book as well. Mm, um, I'm glad you, that, that, you enjoyed that. that. So what's going to be next for you? Because you, you left Nathan and Brooke in a good place, but there's a lot of supporting characters in this, so I wasn't sure if you're going to we're, we're going to continue on with them or if they were kind of done their story, but you had other stories, you know, within that story to tell. I I definitely do. Um, I actually have quite a bit written um, of sort of what happens to Nathan and Brooke after um, this book ends. Um, I don't have any formal plans yet to put it out as a sequel, but it's, um, you know, they're hard characters for me to walk away from, and um, a lot of, I can tell you that a lot of exciting things happen with them um, after the story ends. So, um, that's one thing I'm considering. I'm I am definitely still writing. Um I had finished a story um after Animate Me that's also very close to my heart, um, um relating to some things I've gone through with my mom. Um and uh so there's a possibility that I'm going to try to get that ready for publishing. So it's it's the balance, you know, once you, you publish, it's this balance of finding time to write and, um, you know, managing the business of being a writer. And also this extraordinary time with the social media where um, artists and and writers and, you know, are expected to be active in social media and promoting their own work. Um, And the thrill of it is that every day I hear from people who've read the story and want to chat with me about it and um or they send me images that you know the story reminded them of and um and that is gives me so much joy um but it's also very time consuming so it's it's finding a way to juggle all that and do the um you know the toughest work is the editing and really um 
you know, carving something down in, into something that's really ready to be published. So, um, but that's definitely my goal. I mean, I've I've um, loved this journey so much so far, and it's extraordinary to not just you know finish a book and be happy with it, but to be able to share it with people is a gift for me. So I want to continue with that. Well, my interest is definitely sparked about Brooke and Nathan because um, I'm such a huge fan. I would love for their, their journey to, to, to continue. So um, I'll be following you at ruthclampettwrites.blogspot.com so that I can keep up. In fact, you just did an outtake uh, for Comic-Con that, that you put on there. Somebody tweeted Definitely. me and they're like, did you see that? I'm like, no, I didn't. Yeah, no, it's it's fun because it's a backstory from when they were young where they actually had an encounter at Comic-Con and, and don't realize it until now. And, you know, it captures a lot of the feeling of the show. Because, you know, so much of the media now talks about Comic-Con. More people are aware of it than before and um, and are sort of intrigued by it. So it's sort of fun to have an insider story about the experience of being there. And... Um, yeah, no, it, it, as the story continues and um, the B-Girl comic takes off and their relationship takes off, um, they and again, this is in terms of the personal issue, there's a lot of my parents and how they work together and how they supported each other that ends up being reflected in the, the future of, of Nathan and Brooke. Um, you know, because when you look at any great artist or successful artist, um, they have somebody behind them really supporting them and cheering them on because it is hard to to you know keep your spirits up and keep creative um, when you're constantly getting feedback and the, the rigors of the business get tougher. And so, you know, where my mom was my dad's biggest cheerleader and support and she took a lot of the hard stuff off of him so that he could just focus on the creative. And... Um, you know that that makes for a, a tremendous partnership, and so it's fun to write about and put that in the story too. Absolutely, yeah, that's that, that's great, and it, it really does take a team. Um, you know, it's it, it's great to have a support system in place because the world is a hard place to navigate, and you know, in business and in life, just in general. And and I, I did wonder about that when I saw the. Um, the relationship with Nathan and Brooke, and 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 they were supporting each other, and she was really behind him, and it and it did make me wonder about your parents. And so I'm glad that you answered that as well, because that's you know just a, another beautiful part of the story. And it's really encouraged people to read Animate Me because I I, I really did feel like it was a personal um, uh, work of 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 fiction, but there was a, there was a lot of uh, of you in there, and that just really seemed to come through for me. So I was really looking forward to talking to you about that today. Well, it's been I've I've really loved talking to you, and and um, I'm just so glad you enjoyed the book and and you know that peek inside the world of animation and uh, you know for me this chance to you know people that read it say I I just. You know, it never occurred to me how all of this happens and, and all the different... I mean, the people that make the cartoons are characters themselves. And so um, it was. it's just been a, a great thing for me to be able to share that with people. Absolutely. Yeah, there there is a, a lot of work and you're able to, like, like you said, kind of peek into that world and see what all goes um, behind it and the passion these people feel for their characters, like you were saying earlier, and they kind of become a piece of their 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 family, like little children that they have, and, and they and and you know musicians do that with songs, and um, uh, so it, it's that same creative energy that's that, that's flowing that people are really giving you a piece of them of their soul when they when they put these these works of you know writing or music or whatever out there to people so and that was just really evident in in this piece of work so i was That's it was right. really a, a gift for me to to be able to to read it because it was uh, it, it kind of just went beyond the bounds of just uh, joyful reading but but i i felt the personal connection as well to that book. It, it, it really came through loud and clear for me. That's wonderful. I'm so glad. Thank you, Lori. Well, you're welcome. And so Ruth Clampett Writes is where you can find Ruth. So Ruth Clampett Writes, 
thoughtsblogspot.com to keep up with her and what she's going to do next. Thanks, Ruth. I really appreciate you coming on. It was just, it was just a, a thrill and a pleasure to talk with you. Oh, and a great joy for me. Thank you, Lori. Okay, thank you. And we are going to take a break right now. I'm going to let you listen real quick to uh, Susie Sun. She is a singer-songwriter here in Seattle. And just uh, one of my favorites, she, she's an indie. Um, she's not signed, um, but she sings um, just just absolutely beautifully. So I'm going to let you listen to one of her songs called uh, Let's Let's Do... I'll wait and I'll be right back. Maybe I'm just scared that I'm 
All right, that was Susie Sun from right here in Seattle, and you can find more about her at Susie Sun. You can just Google her, Susie Sun. I think it's SusieSun.com, but I could be wrong. Um, but anyway, that was I'll Wait. And I just want to thank Ruth Clampett again. You know, I wasn't an original part of that fanfic scene, but I've just met the most extraordinary people that's come out of there. And uh, you can go back at NorthwestPrime.com and look, look through all of the shows and I think that you'll be amazed of the amount of talent and just wonderful great people that I've interviewed as a result of the fan fiction community and I encourage you to read Animate Me it was a fantastic from start to finish and as as we just talked to Ruth a lot of a lot of Ruth in that book and you can follow Ruth at Ruth Clampett writes at dot blogspot dot com so Ruth Clampett writes blogspot.com and get out and support these uh, wonderful writers uh, that are just doing some amazing things and we invite you to follow and come over to Twitter and follow us there's a lot of great conversation going on there as well and you can follow me at iGuestInfo so it's I-G-U-E-S-T info. I encourage you to stay with Seattle Wave Radio as we continue music and interviews throughout the rest of the day you can always find Seattle Wave Radio through the NorthwestPrime.com uh, website, or you can go to SeattleWaveRadio.net 24/7 for great music like that just came from Susie Sun and amazing interviews with with authors like Ruth Clampett. So have a great day. Um, we encourage you to share this uh, interview with with great people in your life. And remember, you can always create a new normal for yourself, just one step at a time. Have a great day.